Psalm 42. While you're turning there, uh, if I could get some help after the service uh, to move those chairs back there. I keep meaning week after week to get help to move the chairs, and week after week I keep forgetting. So now I'm not forgetting. So let's move those chairs back downstairs after the service so I can get help uh, doing that following the service. Kids, if you've not already gone out, you are dismissed. But I think I missed them. <laughs> uh, so all right. Psalm 42. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we have just sung, we pray that you would give us strength, give us faith to keep heart until we see our King, until our faith is sight. Heavenly Father, we recognize that the world is dark and life is hard. But you are good and you are in control. And Father, we pray that you would give us strength, give us grace, give us mercy for each day as you promise. Sustain us, keep us. And we pray that you would give us all that we need for our good and for your glory. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 42. It is an individual or a personal lament. Uh, really, it goes very well with the next psalm, Psalm 43, and I thought about putting them both together, but decided just to do one at a time. Uh, psalm 42. As I read this psalm, you'll recognize several of the verses in here, most likely, that will stand out to you. In fact, one of them we, we just sang. Um, it's, a, it's a psalm that I imagine will connect with you, because it's a psalm that describes a place that many of us have been and many of us will be in, in times coming. So Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Will they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hills of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to the God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Starts out, 
this psalm starts out with a very familiar verse. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. As the deer pants for the water brooks, as he pants, as he longs for, as he craves, as this is what his entire body is yearning for. It is what he most basically needs. See, the picture here is not of a deer that is standing by a stream filling its belly, satisfying its thirst. It's not even a picture of, of a deer or an animal that will soon have satisfaction. It's a deer in the midst of a drought with no water that is in sight. It's an animal whose entire body is screaming for relief. For just a drop of water, just a little bit of satisfaction. And the psalmist starts this way because that's how he feels. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. The psalmist needs God as the deer needs water. It is essential. It's his most basic need. The psalm paints a picture not of a man who is in sweet fellowship with God, but who feels far from God, far removed. And in that removal, in that distance, that, that feeling of absence, he is crying out for God. My soul pants for you, God. My soul needs you. You are what is essential to me. It's interesting to notice here, in verse 1, notice what the psalmist does not seek. He's not seeking after comfort. He's seeking after communion. He's seeking God. He's in the midst of need. He's, he, he, he's, he's, he's suffering, as we'll see later in this psalm, as there are enemies who are coming against him. And for whatever reason, he cannot get to the temple where God is. But what he's not seeking is, he's not seeking Release from this situation. He's not necessarily seeking comfort. He just wants communion with God. How might we react differently in trial if the greatest cry of our hearts were not a cry for relief, but a cry for Jesus? I think that's hard for us. It's easy to stand up here and say that, isn't it? It's easy to say, yeah, we need that. It's a lot more difficult when you're in the midst of that trial, when your soul is crying out, when you feel like God is absent. I pray that, that God would, would work in us so when we get to that point, we would cry, not give me relief, but give me Jesus. So the psalmist here cries, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? What's interesting is that the psalmist here, what he's longing for, and we'll see that later in verse 4. In verse four. 
But what he's longing for is not just personal communion, not just to sit down with his Bible and have his personal devotions. That's what we often think of when we think of, you know, as my as the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. That's what I often think of, the sweet times in the morning when you open your Bible and you're spending time with God. But what he is longing for is he is longing for public worship. He's longing to worship in the congregation at the temple with God. When shall I come and appear before my God? I want to be where you are, which in this time is at the temple. In fact, he goes on later to verse 4, and he How does he comfort himself? He remembers times when he was at the house of God, when he was worshiping with the multitude at the feasts. I think that's interesting to note. We talked Sunday about part of the the, the purpose of the church is to gather and the importance of that. I'm not saying that, that it's not important to have your devotions, to spend time with God, that is important. But there's something special about worshiping together. There's something special about opening the word of God together. In fact, how many times have you had your devotions? You're sitting alone and you're studying the word of God and something just really hits you and God is working and you are encouraged. And what do you want to do? You want to share that, right? It's not something you want to keep to yourself. You want others to join with you in this. That's what he is longing for. But that's not what he gets, not yet. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. Don't, don't miss the imagery here. right? Verse 1, the deer is panting for water. But verse 3, my tears have been my food. The, the sweet water that I was longing for has been replaced by the bitter and salty tears. Instead of the sweet water, he's stuck with his bitter tears. They're his food day and night, where they continually say to me, Where is your God? Verse 3 is talking about his internal struggle. His tears seem to indicate to him that God is not there. As he backs up and he looks at the evidence and he sees this lingering pain, he sees this loneliness, he sees these sleepless nights, he sees these these prayers that seem to him to be unanswered and it begs the question deep within himself, where is your God? Surely if God were, were real, surely if he really cared about you, surely if he was really good, surely he would have answered you by now, right? You are responding rightly. You're saying, God, I'm in need. I need you. Where are you? I'm longing for you. And he's not coming. So where is he? Where is your God? It's one thing when someone else says that to you. And and we'll see that later uh, in verse uh, 10. His enemies say to him, where is your God? It's another thing when that is how you feel deep inside. I think we've all been there at times. When you're struggling through something you don't understand, and you may not voice it, you may not put it into words, but it's there. Don't you see, God? Where are you, God? 
That's what's going on in him, deep inside him. His tears testify, seem to indicate to him that God is not there. And that's what he is struggling with. It is he himself on the inside that is struggling with his faith. Where are you, God? I think of the story. It's a, it's a victorious story. It's a story that we all love. It's a story where Elijah with the prophets of Baal and they're up on the mountains and, and they have this altar. You know the story, right? And, and the prophets of Baal spend all, all day and they're trying to get their gods to respond. And Elijah is standing off to the side and he's mocking them. Well, maybe, maybe your God is busy. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he can't hear you. And then Elijah steps up. And he confidently pours water on it. And he confidently cries out to God. And the fire falls down from heaven. That's how we want to feel, is it not? But that's not how the psalmist feels. The psalmist here feels a lot more like those prophets of Baal. Where is my God? I've tried everything. In fact, we'll see later on, his enemies are crying out as well. Where is your God? Maybe he can't hear you. Verse 4, but when I remember these things, when I remember, notice that the, even in, in the midst of this struggle with unbelief, the psalmist keeps reacting rightly. How does he react? He remembers. I remember that God has been faithful. And so I pour out my soul within me. To pour out my soul within me. It's the desperate plea of a broken heart that is at its wit's end. It's the same language that is used when Hannah is crying before the Lord, begging for a son, and God gives her Samuel. It's that same desperate plea. Give me communion with my God. He pours out his soul. He remembers past times of worship that were joyous and satisfying. I, I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. It was a glorious time. In fact, this is probably a reference to the, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacle, which we've been walking through in John, uh, the end of John 7 into John 8. It's probably what the psalmist here is referring to. This, this celebration of thanksgiving, remembering God's provision. And he remembers that and he, he meditates on that and that's what he chooses to remember in these times where his heart cries out, where is your God? So then he rebukes himself. The, the chorus, if you will, if this were a song, verses 1 to 4, be verse 1, then there's a chorus. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Why am I so overcome? Why do I so easily doubt? Hope in God. Again, we see here, hope is not found in, in relief or comfort. Hope is found in God. And that's once again where the psalmist turns. Hope in God, or I will hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. As I praised him once at the temple with the congregation, so I will again. 
I will yet praise him, whether it is at the temple in this life or whether it's in his courts forevermore. I will rejoice and I will once again stand with the congregation and I will praise my God. For the help of his countenance, his presence, to see him. That's what he longs for. But as he comes to verse 6, he once again is honest. My God, my soul is cast down within me. It's an honest confession. In verse 5, he's just rebuked himself because his soul is cast down. And then in verse 6, he admits, my soul is cast down still. My soul is cast down. I think, it's, I think that's important to stop and to notice. Because in, in so many of the Psalms, and, and it could possibly give the idea, it shouldn't, but sometimes we can get the idea that, all right, once I finally surrender, then that's going to fix all my problems. Once I find there must be some idol in my life, and once I get rid of that, then that's going to take care of all my problems. That's not what we see here, right? The psalmist is reacting rightly. He's turned to God. He's, he's crying out for, for relief. He has reacted rightly. He's chosen to remember God's faithfulness and God's goodness. He's chosen to, to in the midst of his struggle, to confidently say, I will hope in my God. And yet, even after that, he goes on to say, my soul is still cast down within me. His struggle continues. But he continues, therefore, I will remember. I will remember. I will keep remembering. And the psalmist here keeps responding rightly. Instead of his tr struggle driving him away from God, it's driving him to God, which is how it should be. It's driving him to God. And so I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. These places are, are places that are north of the Sea of Galilee. Many people take this to be the idea of his present location or, or the idea that he is far removed from Jerusalem and the temple. He's far removed from the very thing that he is longing for, to worship in the presence of God with the people. And yet, even in that, he says, I will remember you. I'll remember you from, from where, where I am in exile, way far away. I will choose to still remember you. What's interesting, though, at this point, is the psalm turns in imagery. So stanza one, verses one to four, we're, we're the idea of a drought, right? He's, he's longing but there's no satisfaction in sight. And yet as you come to verses 6 to 10, it shifts to drowning. From drought to drowning. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. It's the idea of, 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 of gasping for breath. Drowning in the depths. 
It's as if all of creation has turned against him and, and the deeps are grabbing him and pulling him under. They're working together as deep cries out to deep. As the waterfalls fall down on him, he's, he's surrounded. There is no hope from longing for water in verses 1 to 4 for, for, to gasping for breath. His situation has not improved. Verse 8, but the Lord will commend his loving kindness in the daytime. A statement of confidence here in the Lord. In the night, his song will be with me. Notice, in verse 3, my tears have been my food when? Day and night. And yet, what does he say here? The Lord will commend his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song will be with me. Even as these tears are overtaking me, God is with me. In the day and in the night. It may feel like he is absent, but he is with me. Verse 8 is the, the psalmist's life vest in the middle of this overwhelming oceans. A prayer to the God of my life is what verse 8 is. Verse 9, I will say to God, my rock. Notice in these following verses, he's confident God is my rock. And yet he's curious and he's honest. I know you're my rock, but what are you doing? I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. Or they say to me all day long, where is your God? I don't think there's a problem here with him asking God what's going on. He's shown all throughout this psalm that he is reacting rightly. I don't think as he comes to God in verse 9, he says, why have you forgotten me? I don't think he's, he's doing that in an irreverent way. He's simply laying bare his heart before God. This is how I feel. Where are you? Why have you forgotten me, God? I know that you're the God of my life. I know that you are God, my rock. I know that, that, that your loving kindness is with me, that you are with me, but why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning? Why are my enemies teaming up against me? Now it's not just my, my doubts inside me that creep up and say, where is your God? They're vocalizing it against me. Where is your God? Where are you? But then he turns again to the chorus. Another call to hope. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. Whether you're in the, the desert or whether you're drowning. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. I will praise him. Whether that is at the temple or whether that's in heaven, 
the help of my countenance and my God. Hope in God. As you come to the end of this psalm, that's the theme of the psalm, hope in God. I, I say this, I feel like, every psalm. I've grown to love this psalm. I've grown to love it because I, I, it stands out to me in how the psalmist reacts rightly all throughout the psalm. He keeps the right perspective, and yet the situation doesn't get easier. It doesn't get better, but he keeps trusting. He keeps returning to what God has done in the past. I will remember time and time again. He returns to this statement, hope in God. And how many times have we gone through something, whatever it may be, and you just feel like you're praying the same prayer over and over and over. That's what the psalmist is doing here. Twice he says the same thing. Verse 5 is, is identical to verse 11. He keeps having the same problem. Why are you cast down, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? And the answer is the same both times. Hope in God. Hope in God. So I think the application from, from a psalm like Psalm 42 is this. Whether you are in the middle of a drought or whether you are drowning and you feel overcome, either way, I would call you this evening to hope in God. Remember who he is. Remember what he has done. Be honest. Bear your heart before him. But then hope in him. Hope in him. Remember who he is. And remember that satisfaction, peace, uh, that's, that's wrong, not peace, um, comfort is not guaranteed. What is guaranteed is that God is working for your good and for his glory. That's what's guaranteed. We don't see the psalm get relief in this psalm. Not yet. But he keeps hoping. He keeps hoping. So I'd encourage you this evening, keep hoping. Wherever you are, keep hoping. Cling to who he is. Remember what he's done. Hope in God.